0: Hello and welcome back to A Cozy Christmas Podcast. My name is Art, I'm your host, and Happy May everyone. I've got a jam-packed month ahead with episodes that will be out every week. Um, I've been hit or really hit or miss this year, but got through a busy season of life and I've got some already recorded and uploaded and they're ready to go and I'm looking forward to getting them out uh, to you this month. In today's episode, I've got a very special guest who will be joining us. Her name is M.R. Diamond, and she is the author of the Black Orchid Enterprises Mystery Series. I think there are three books out. Or one is forthcoming, uh, book three is forthcoming, but the first two books out both happen to take place at Christmas time. And I thought I'd have her on the podcast to talk about uh, her books and what makes Christmas special for her and her family. And I know it's a conversation that you will enjoy. And next week we will have uh, chapter three of the Chimes. And then uh, I believe I'll either have chapter four following that or take another week break with another interview. I'm not sure yet what will be happening, but the other episodes that will come out in May will finish up the story of the Chimes as well as uh, we're going to have a book club episode where I recorded our conversation when we were talking about Mrs. Claus and the Santa Land Slayings. To start things off, this month's book for our book club is the wonderful nonfiction book called The Man Who Invented Christmas by Les Standiford. There is a movie that came out a couple years ago that was inspired by that book, although that was more of a slightly fictionalized account than this story will be. This is a, a, a nonfiction, but it explores Victorian Christmas traditions. It explores uh, Charles Dickens and what he was going through when he wrote The Greatest Christmas Story Ever Written. And I'm really looking forward to reading that book with you. I believe uh, I have will have just posted a reading schedule. I'm a little bit late in getting that out, but we're going to try to make our way through that book this month. You should be able to find it in your local library. I've also got an audiobook version from Audible, which uh, was a, a reasonably priced. Um, and there are some library options for you. As well, if your library participates in apps like Libby or Hoopla. Today, I wanted to start off with something new that I'm going to try. I, I want I wanted to bring some news that is cozy, that is happy, that is that showcases acts of kindness. Uh, I, I will try to make them Christmas related, but during the off season, it's hard to always find Christmas in the news so this so what I want help from you is if you have heard of in your area in your own life somebody that has done some kind of act of kindness or something Christmas related that is very that promotes kindness and you know good mental health or like in today's story I'll be sharing uh, involves fuzzy animals Uh, I would love to hear from you also, tell me what your Christmas was like this past year. Uh, what worked for you? What didn't? Uh, what was a, a heartwarming story that occurred in your life this past Christmas time? I'd love to hear from you. So for today's cozy news, uh, I got this article from thedailypause.com. It's a, uh, a news website full of wonderful news about pets and all of our four-legged friends. Having just had a uh, a new dog in our family, uh, we picked up Pumpkin from the wonderful Midlands Humane Society, uh, which is a uh, animal shelter that lives or that operates out of Council Bluffs here in Iowa. A wonderful, wonderful place. They have a very active uh, Facebook page, which I started following after we picked up Pumpkin. And if you want something heartwarming and and wonderful to fill up your Facebook feed. If you have a local animal shelter that keeps a very active social media page, this really has improved my Facebook experience because I often now see am scrolling through and instead of seeing all the uh divisive and angry political rhetoric, I'm seeing pictures of dogs and uh, cats and animals and it's great. I also follow a lot of Christmas pages and book pages. Anyway, uh, back to the article. Uh, It's from Daily Pause. This isn't Christmas related, but uh, an article that titled uh, More Than 100 Golden Retrievers Descend on Boston to Honor Spencer, the Boston Marathon's Official Dog. And this is by Austin Cannon, dated April 17th, 2023. And he wrote, Ahead of Monday's Boston Marathon, more than 100 golden retrievers walked through downtown Boston to honor Spencer, the Marathon's Official Dog, who died earlier this year. Uh, The dozens of good boys and girls walked along the Boston Common on Sunday before Monday's marathon, according to the Boston Globe. They were there to also honor Penny, Spencer's sister, who passed away just eight days after he did. Spencer had attended the marathon for years, encouraging runners from his spot just a few miles into the race. He gained viral fame in 2018 when he stuck out a windy, rainy race in his owner's raincoat, a pair of Boston Strong flags in his mouth. Richard Powers, Spencer and Penny's owner, witnessed the outpouring of support Sunday. He wore the raincoat Spencer borrowed in 2018. I think I can safely say Spencer and Penny affected millions at this point, Powers told the Globe. It goes on to say that many of the dogs wore golden strong bandanas, and the furry golden parade caused several passersby to stop, including at least one runner in the middle of a pre-race shakeout jog. Spencer was named as the official dog of the 126th Boston Marathon in 2022. Now that title has been extended in perpetuity. Spencer and Penny have both raised more than $33,000 to fight canine cancer. So a little bit of sad news on that front, but I found that story to be really heartwarming. And for me, the connection to Christmas it has is it reminds me of well you've probably all have heard i know you've heard of the airbud movie and the in the video movies and then there's some uh i guess Airbud had puppies and then so that the buddies had their own series of movies that my kids loved when when they were younger they absolutely loved this series of videos and I know for adults they might be kind of corny, but my kids really loved them and they have five of the most adorable golden retriever puppies. One winter-related movie was called Snow Buddies, where they uh, end up in Alaska competing in the, the sled dog race up there, which was a, a really wonderful uh, little movie. Uh, they did have a Christmas one called Santa Buddies, which was also a, a, a lot of fun. Now, you know, you got to understand, these movies are made for children and for young children, and. You know, if, if as a parent, if you just needed a cup, uh, like even an hour of just peace and quiet, you know, you put on one of these films, let the kids enjoy it. And it, it was great fun. I mean, and my kids were real little when they loved these movies. They were like four, five, six years old. You, you know, I, I think even much older than that, it, it they may not um, hold to it too well, uh, too closely. But Face Buddies was another one that we we enjoyed. I also recently found a a Christmas book called The Dogs of Christmas by W. Bruce Cameron. I have not read this. I'm looking forward to reading this at some point. And I'll probably even add this into the list of books that we might read for the book club. This book is about, uh, it says, suddenly responsible for an abandoned dog in a box full of adorable puppies. Josh Michaels is in over his head. He reaches out to the local shelter for help, where he meets Carrie, who teaches Josh how to care for the puppies and get them ready for adoption. With Christmas and the adoption date looming, Josh hesitates to part with any of his now-beloved puppies, putting him at odds with Carrie, whom he's fallen for. Josh isn't willing to lose her, but doesn't know how to set things right. Can a surprise litter of Christmas puppies really change one man's life? The Dogs of Christmas is a charming and heartwarming holiday tale that explores the power of love, trust, in a basket full of puppies. So that sounds great. I can't wait to read that one. But then I I just started reading Silent Night, Deadly Night by Vicki Delaney. And she's been on the podcast before. I've talked about her books before. Uh, They take place at Rudolph, New York, which is the country's year-round Christmas town. The main character is Mary Wilkinson. She's the owner of Mrs. Claus's Treasures. And, you know, every book she gets tangled up in a mystery some are set around christmas time one was set in summer this one i just started reading is taking place at in november approaching thanksgiving but she she owns a dog a giant saint bernard named matterhorn and he's a really delightful dog character all right so i threw a lot at you there but uh basically i'd love to hear from you um generally speaking if you have any cozy news or uh, acts of kindness you wanted to give a shout out to that you witness, uh, let me know. I'd love to feature that in an upcoming episode, uh, as well. I want to hear from you about cri- what Christmas is like for your pets. Do you spoil them? Do you have to lock them up uh, so they don't get into the presents? Uh, I've got an amusing story of one year we decided to give our cat catnip and we wrapped it up uh, under the Christmas tree a couple weeks before Christmas. He kept finding it. He kept digging through the presents and would find it and and dig in and tear into it. We finally had to just give up and not have it under the tree. We had to wait until Christmas came. Even if we buried it under the pile of presents, (laughs) he could smell it. So let me hear uh, some memories of you and your pets. So I invite you to grab a cup of coffee and come up with me to the interview loft. And we will talk with our our newest friend of the show, M.R. Diamond, author of the lighthearted christmas tale birth of the black orchids and the sphinx who stole christmas my guest today is author mr diamond she's the author of the book birth of the black orchids which is described as a lighthearted christmas tale of going home starting over and a murder with cats and the sequel is just recently published The Sphinx Who Stole Christmas and we are going to find out more about her and her books and what she loves most about the best time of year. Uh welcome to the Cozy Christmas Podcast, Madeline. Thank you, R. I just started reading your your first book in the series uh this past weekend and I've really been enjoying that. Quite a collection of characters you have uh in your book. So let's uh, before I get ahead of myself here, but let's go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit and about who you are and and what you write,
1: okay, and thank you for reading my book. You don't always find an interviewer who is actually reading it that's that's <laughs> wonderful.
0: well, I love cozy mysteries, so
1: oh that's wonderful. well, I am well I'm recently living my lifelong dream of being a full-time writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is after a career in as a professional orchestral musician. and I've worked in a lot of Places because I was always going to be a writer, you know. So this other stuff didn't matter, and I've worked in law firms, cat rescue, bookkeeping, technical communication, book layout. But uh, what I really wanted to do was write, and now that's what I'm doing. I tend to be writing about musicians, lawyers, vets, accountants, and cats. Perfect. So they say, write what you know. So I'm sure trying to do that. And um, birth of the black orchids. I I wanted to go in order I wanted my books to be published sort of mm-hmm. in order rather than saying oh now let's go back 10, ten years and and pick up our characters from whenever mm-hmm. um it was not a- actually the first long form I wrote uh, that one uh, my first long form is the second uh novella in that book it's called the way old friends do but I knew that I wanted to to talk about how these people got together and how they ended up in Beecham, Texas. By the way, towns are fictional or Beecham is fictional. Alvarez mm. County is fictional. Uh, Austin, Houston, Dallas. Th- th- those are real, I think, but, uh, <laughs> but, but no, you won't find Beecham 22 miles Southeast of Austin. Mm. However, you, you can find a lot of small towns like it. At, yeah. Yeah. And and they all seem to have the, the big house. There's a big Victorian mansion. And so, well, my people needed a big Victorian mansion as well. And I, I am not sure when it occurred to me that this would be, naturally they would start at Christmas, but apparently that was just a, a very natural thing for me. And this book is, uh, there's a lot going on. There's the passing of the torch. The,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the woman who bought the, the big house and lived in it for some years is retiring and she's giving it to her grandson. And since he's a veterinarian, she's put a clinic in it. And um, And once a year for 50 years, she has held a Christmas, a huge Christmas open house despite being Jewish. And her husband um, was from Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And this, this was her way of saying, Yes, we will celebrate Christmas with the town. And because she was, she was not excited about celebrating Christmas, but he was, and she did not know how to explain to him that this was not something that Mm -hmm. she would normally do as a Jew. So uh, so they've had a, a, a whole a town Christmas party for 50 years. And it's understood that the grandson will continue to have Christmas parties. And this is the first one where she is retiring and here, meet my grandson and all his friends. Because of course he he brought all his college friends with him. The, the, these these uh, young people lived together in a big house at college. And so it just seemed natural to Johnny When he got this big mansion, that oh everybody should come live with him again, and if not everyone, at least two, two or three, two to three people uh, took him took him up on that, and and so we've we've got the passing of the torch, as I said, and now we we've got uh, three people who are breaking loose. Uh, They're they're millennials. They were the smart kids in the class. They, you know went to school a whole lot uh, we've got a lawyer uh an accountant who is a cpa and a forensic accountant uh, and we've got our veterinarian and that one day they just all said enough we're, we're not doing the thing anymore mm-hmm. you know jd has a job and a big corporate law firm like he's supposed to and, you know, no doubt headed for great things. And he's going, but I don't want to do that. I don't like it. Mm. And and, uh, Diane is the accountant and she's got a job with, what are we down to the big four? I I keep expecting them all to to, the big four accountants to like sink down into the big one, but she's got a job at, at a big agency and that's not what she wants to do. So and and Johnny uh, um, crashed and burned when he was in uh, his zoo vet res- residency, and he's just trying to get over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, his grandmother's house was always his place of refuge. So he thinks this is going to be wonderful, and but his family's worried about him. Is is he going to be okay? And um, the other two, their families are worried about them. They, they, I mean, why, why did they leave their good jobs and now they're going to make out wills and do taxes at the library. This is crazy, but they're going to try it. And this being a cozy mystery, of course, we've got a murder in the middle of it. Like we needed something else.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so we go on from there. Johnny immediately, uh, volunteers to be the assistant, um, uh, uh, Assistant Justice of the Peace, and Mm -hmm. while you have to still, that's still an amateur sleuth, um, most people who have read this uh, or or critiqued it said, how can he possibly do that? He's a vet. Mm. That is a lot more qualified than your average Justice of the Peace. The only qualifications for the Justice of the Peace in Texas, it is an elected position, you have to have lived in the county for six months. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's any other qualification. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> oh, but, but they give you two weeks training, so it's all okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And this is the justice of the peace. <laughs> so, uh, oh, wow. and, uh, so our justice of the peace is the manager of the Sonic drive-in. I'm not sure if you have Sonic drive-ins where you are. Yeah, yeah, we do. A, yeah, the,
0: the burger. Restaurant. Yeah. Restaurant check. Yeah. Okay. Good good yeah. Burgers. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah, burgers. Yeah. Yeah, burgers. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we like Sonic. And he's all and it's the sort of restaurant that would be in one of these small towns. And he always wanted to be a lawyer and getting um getting elected justice of the peace was the closest he could get to it. Mm-hmm. Um he likes doing the weddings and uh, he studied up on, he he does the property cases mm-hmm. and he's supposed to pronounce people dead. And oh. so he's glad that uh, he's, he's just got an assistant that wants to do that or is willing to do that because, you know, he, he wants, Johnny wants to serve his community and this is some way he can do it. Um, in fact, uh, there was a Supreme court justice that died at a, texas ranch some years ago and the local assistant justice of the peace attended him at mm-hmm. the time. And, and he did offer an autopsy and the family said no we don't the guy was sick you know yeah. we, we knew he was going to die yeah. but but on hearing that i'm going wait you mean just some random guy and the assistant were, were running this show this could get bad of course uh um if, if you're near a big town they have a you know they have labs and and you know they, they have better processes than this but we're right. out in the country here and yeah no you, uh you're lucky to get a vet uh <laughs> in this case i feel so so that that's yes you, you, he is an amateur sleuth we have to put him under there he, no matter how how hard he works to to learn uh how to be a criminologist but, hmm. but so he is an amateur sleuth and um He gets along as as the series continues, he gets along well with the police department because he can um, he can provide a lot of services they wouldn't normally have access to Uh, the sheriff's department. Not so much because the way these things tend to run is, um, you know, the law enforcement looks at looks at the body and then tells the justice of the peace what's going on. Mm -hmm. And he says, "Okay, sure. And that's not worked well sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> and, right. and and so when they tell johnny this is what happened he goes well let me look you see, it's a suicide and there's how many bullet holes <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah right yes this has happened something
0: suspicious here yeah
1: <laughs> you at least ought to look into it i understand it's not totally impossible but right. you gotta
0: look at it right oh I, what i love about this is how you've tied in several of your past jobs into different characters. So it's, it's almost like, you know, you're, you're interacting with yourself in some ways, you know, you're you're writing all these characters.
1: I'm I'm afraid it really
0: is. Now, do you have any specific reason why you set these at Christmas time? Or did that just kind of feel like what the story felt like it needed?
1: Well, the birth of the black orchids definitely felt like it should be Christmas because Oh, you know, Christmas has all these expectations attached onto it. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's right by the new year when we're going to be starting over. And there's so many things about Christmas that just make it perfect for um, mysteries. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, It's a chaotic time. It's a time full of conflict. Um, One of Dorothy L. Sayers' characters describes it as, all the people one likes least gathered in the name of peace and goodwill. Well, that, that's not, uh, the relatives you're supposed to like, but you don't. Mm-hmm. And people are wearing their masks and pretending to like aunties uh, po- potato salad in the winter, but jello salad. And you've got the generations uh, facing each other a little bit more than they normally might. Mm-hmm. And it, it, in a mystery, there's going to be some urgency too, because you don't want the crime scene tape around your Christmas tree on Christmas morning. Right. <laughs> so I just think it's a uh, it's, it's a naturally uh, um, there's it offers a lot of good good mystery uh, uh, tropes.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You've already got all that just built in tension, just being the fact that it's Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: right. Yes. I mean, most people don't deal with a murder at Christmas and you could still describe their Christmases as somewhat tense. Right. In fact, one of the um, ad lines I wrote for this, described: here's people who are having a worse Christmas than you are.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, even the fact that they are kind of turning their... Uh, and that's what's turning their back on the quote unquote American dream, you know, or the, the but they're like looking for real meaning and that that the, the so-called American dream was just not what they wanted, like, like you were saying. Uh, so add that on to all of this, that, you know, they're trying to find their, their purpose and maybe family isn't really agreeing with their decisions and you've got a recipe for uh disaster.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. I would say there's a lot of disaster
0: yeah <laughs> going forward, are they going to continue to be set at Christmas time? Are you going to explore?
1: No, I had the first three all planned out and was gosh, going to release two or three books last year. Life had a different plan. and also I um and, and looking back, I'm going, how did I even think? I, I, I was still working full time. And mm-hmm. how did I even think I could do that? Um, but I did and I tried. And then one day I saw a cover, a book cover. Um, sometimes cover designers will design covers and hope somebody likes them well enough to buy them. Mm-hmm. And this was on the rock bottom clearance. Nobody wanted this book. And that would be The Sphinx Who Stole Christmas. Hmm. And I looked at it and said, oh, that's my book. And I'd been pretty scornful about buying a pre-made cover. How does how can you possibly do that so you've written the story? And I looked at that book and I looked at that cat jumping in the middle of the gingerbread house. And I'm like, yep, I know what happened here. Yeah. So, um that's how that one came about all the other books got shoved aside and this story just flowed out and there um there we have those the sphinx who stole christmas actually um you, you know there are writers that do set their stories at christmas mm-hmm. uh david rosenfeld has put his andy carpenter series as a christmas story every year um i think his son must be about 35 by yeah, but we still keep getting stories of little Ricky at Christmas. So, so it's it's not like it couldn't, but no, the next one won't be Christmas.
0: Do you find it hard to write about Christmas during the off season? Or how did you keep in the Christmas spirit for that?
1: I, I can turn on my music. Uh, my music tends to be Bach's Christmas Oratorio and the Messiah, and things mm. like that, because professional orchestral musician, I actually don't have much trouble dropping into the Christmas spirit, so to speak, mm-hmm. especially since my characters tend not to have a whole lot of it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I, I do enjoy listening to my orchestral music, uh, the Bach's Christmas Oratorio um, and the Magnificat, which was actually in The Sphinx Who Told Christmas. Stole Christmas, and the Vivaldi Gloria, uh, Messiah, mm-hmm. things like that. I grew up on listening to a hundred and one strings play the Christmas favorites.
0: Oh so. yeah, yep. That's a that's a. I'm familiar with that one. That's a good one. Yes. Um, now, what did did you um, talking about your orchestral experience? Are you a musician? what What instrument did you play?
1: Cello. Cello. Uh, okay. Well, cello was my main instrument. Uh, you have to you have to play piano, or they don't let you graduate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, viola was my minor instrument and when i was in high school um, junior high and high school there was no orchestra and so i played in the band i played in the marching band and i played whatever instrument was left over which meant saxophone trombone bassoon bass clarinet (laughs) yeah that like that Um, so, yes, music's always been a big part of my life. And ever since my uh, father, when I was singing with the radio when we were driving somewhere, and he just said, huh, anybody can sing the melody. Can you sing the harmony? I went, oh, okay. And so so since I was five years old, I've been singing the harmony and playing the harmony. And so it's just a big part of my life. And uh, I, I remember. Remember, my, my child was around what five or six, and we went over to someone's house, and he looks around and looks at me and says, "Where's their instruments?" Went, oh, <laughs> not everybody has a piano and a cello and etc. in the living room. So, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, music has just been a, a huge part of our our family, definitely. That's
1: great. I always feel, felt sorry for the pianists because yes, they were accompanying the choir and the, and all these soloists and they, they, they mm-hmm. just seem to, I hate to say work a lot harder, but, but they did a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and they're not the ones that people are paying attention to at the end, you know, <laughs> right. And, to oh, the, and, voices. Like yeah. the Rehearsal
1: pianists. And then they go, you know, for the ballets and the orchestra and then the rehearsal pianists go away and the orchestras come in
0: we like like i mentioned a lot of my uh listeners love cozy mysteries especially set at christmas mm-hmm. and i know we we've had a few uh we also have a few that are are huge animal lovers as well so uh-huh. uh, i uh, wanted to ask a little bit about your your cat rescue um i know it's kind of off topic a bit but uh what was that like
1: insane <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um well i I guess I have done it freelance since, well, well, I tried to be as a child, but my parents were not having it, yeah. you know, <laughs> but when I was an adult and cats would show up on my doorstep, I felt like I had to take care of them. Sure. And um, around the turn of the century, which still feels funny that we can say that, but we can, mm-hmm. I became associated with Austin Siamese Rescue. And it really helps to have an organization behind you. I mean, they have a website, uh, they're connected with national websites. So we get calls from people all over the the country, you know, wanting, wanting our, our kittens Mm -hmm. and the the way, the way we work it is that the foster cats grow up in somebody's home Mm -hmm. and, and, um, so it's not like a shelter, mm-hmm. and, um, and and so we take care of them until they until they find a home. We're going into kitten season, which, well, yeah. in Texas, uh, Chris, the kitten season tends to be pretty much all year because uh-huh. it's warm and kittens can be born at any time. But there's a special push in the spring, and you know now we're looking for uh, closets and whatever places we can stash new kittens in the country. We get a lot of strays and there is a stray feral out in our yard. I'm looking at her going, Oh goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much a, a, uh, a stray female cat on the street, unless she's been fixed by at some point, the the definition of them is pregnant. So yeah. uh, (laughs) So we're we're going to have to help this girl. <laughs> and a few weeks ago, in um, right before our last big freeze, I heard some crying at the door. I thought at first one of my cats had escaped, but mm-hmm. I, I went to the door and saw a tail whoosh off in the night. Um, it took him three days to decide he was moving in, and he ran up to me. I, I put out blankets and food for him. So he figured it was a good place. And so uh, even though he's an orange tabby cat, uh, yeah, the Siamese rescue took him in. They're real good about that. You know, we, we, we don't get all snobbish about it. is that a Siamese? Is that a real Siamese? Yeah. Mm, no, <laughs> we rescue cats. <laughs> but yes. Uh, yeah. 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 So.
0: Uh, yeah. There's uh, where I live there's a lot of stray cats and there there's a couple mm-hmm. of ladies in town um who will adopt them or rescue them and uh one of their husbands was saying that i i really think that the people in town just know just come by and throw their cat over the fence knowing that she'll take them
1: <laughs> take him. i have felt that way before yes <laughs> i have definitely felt that way before
0: but yeah she'll uh if she finds a stray cat, she'll, she'll take it into the vet and get it fixed and make Mm. sure they're fed and try to find homes for them and everything. It's really some, some very kind people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But unfortunately we have uh, a couple in our family that have cat allergies, so we're not able to have the kitties, but uh, I, I sure love pets and animals Mm -hmm. and love hearing about people's, how people take care of them and stuff. So, so your books are on sale now. Do you you have some more? It sounds like you got more coming out in the series, uh, in the not too distant future?
1: Not too distant future, Family Matters should come out.
0: Okay. And is that the that's the in the series uh of the the Black Orchids series?
1: It is. It okay. is. And the first not holiday one. Actually, okay. it originally was a Christmas story. Uh oh. or it ended at Christmas. And I said, Well, we don't have to do that. We'll we'll yeah. end it. We'll end it earlier than that.
0: <laughs> so. Sure. I know you can find your books uh online. Uh Amazon. Do you have a website too that you
1: I do. Um my website is diamond.me and the only trick there is to not spell it with an A.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's D I M O N D. Right? Yeah, D D I M O N D Right. Dot me.
1: Got dot it. me. Yes. And my characters write the blogs, so if you like the characters, you might stop in every once in a while and see who's talking about what.
0: Oh, that's that's fun! Wow, okay. it is. It,
1: they're they're much more reliable than I am. So. <laughs> okay,
0: I I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about Christmas and in, uh, in the holiday season. I not only do I love to talk to, to guests, you know, to find out what they're creating and what they're doing, but I love to talk about uh, my favorite time of year. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have Christmas or holiday traditions that, uh, that you celebrate and that you enjoy doing?
1: Okay. Well, I didn't grow up with traditional Christmas. I, uh, our families didn't uh, get in the car and go to grandma's. I remember once that happened, I, I, I'm thinking it went not too well. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then from, uh, I don't know how early you want to define adult, but from that point, I was a musician and my Christmas started after midnight mass on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So um, so I felt uh, like I had my face pressed against the, the flocked glass of Christmas looking in. And I wondered how other people did this, and um, uh, and when I had a child, and I'm a single parent uh, and a musician, i I was really determined that my child would remember Christmas fondly. And it, it became a wrestling match between me and the world that yes, we were gonna have all those lovely Christmas memories that I assumed everybody just automatically got, Mm -hmm. which I could be wrong about that. But, um, you know, once I had my Christmas uh, schedule of all the concerts I had to play, and uh, all the appearances I had to make, uh, then I started squeezing in my family's Christmas. And it started the day after Thanksgiving, uh, or the Sunday after Thanksgiving, um, when our, our church would hold an advent wreath making workshop mm-hmm. and we would go and we would stick greenery into styrofoam rings with four candles and, um, made a new one every year, obviously, cause the greenery died, sure. but then we would sit down every day with our advent book, um, and uh, you know, it, have a, it would have a little inspirational story and a Bible verse, and uh, singing a carol. And I'm not going to say we did that. I I can't I can't say we did it every day, but we did it a lot of days. And I did that because, as crazy as everything was, I said there's going to be a time of the day when we stop, and and just remember what we're supposed to be thinking about at Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, so we, we tried hard to do our, uh, advent wreath and I had an advent calendar. I've seen it once I bought it even when I was single, but it was an advent calendar with little nativity figures. So every day we got to set up a new nativity figure and you can make it come out to 25. If you have lots of sheep and angels and shepherds. Yeah. So, so that works. But I've never seen one since I'd like to replace it because some of them are looking kind of tatty after decades, right. but I've never seen another one. And and now I see nativity scenes with I, I think the beer one was kind of the low point for me. i mm. not the nativity scene, but the advent calendar with, with a beer for every day, which yeah, however, understandable that is just didn't <laughs> say Christmas to me. Right. Um, Right. Or, or, or chocolate. Uh, I mean, I'm nothing against chocolate at all. It's just like, I'm not counting down chocolate to Christmas. What is this? <laughs> but I guess, hey, everybody does it their way.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I, I, I kind of, I, I don't know, maybe I, sometimes I can be a bit grinch, grinchy about that. But mm-hmm. when I was, when I was a kid, our Advent calendar w- was just pictures. You'd open the door and reveal yes. that, that day's picture. And it would always be some really beautiful like famous work of art or some kind of just picture you know i don't know it right. I, I just yeah, it i really picture, enjoyed that yeah Yeah.
1: about the season yeah yeah, yes, yes. yeah. It, we ended up with quite a collection of advent calendars but some of them were like you say with pictures and then mm-hmm. and then we had our little uh, nativity characters and
0: so on yeah um yeah then uh, nowadays you know i mean these things are you can get one for like Lego or
1: mm-hmm.
0: Funko Pop, different things. And and again, like like you said, if, if you like that, that's fine. I'm not I'm not trying to uh, discourage anyone. But it, it's <laughs> it's just funny. I I feel like yeah. um my the culture's changed now. And
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> gonna, yes. I'm, 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 yeah.
0: I'm like all right. I, I I'm gonna think, you do you yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I used to think, oh, if only more people would do Advent. I'm going okay. Well, they are all right (laughs) (laughs) because you know it it's it it used to be kind of disappointing for me that you know here we rush around like crazy um uh during Mm -hmm. the month of december we get up on christmas morning we rush you know rip all the stuff up and then it's over Mm -hmm. you know you eat dinner and then somebody's got to clean the kitchen and, (laughs) and it's kind of disappointing so um as a young adult, I started counting Advent, and then I would count the twelve days of Christmas afterwards. Mm-hmm. We instead of Christmas stockings, we did the twelve days of Christmas, and there'd be a you know a little something to go along with the days reading a little gift of some kind, like you might find in your stocking. <laughs> so,
0: right, right.
1: So we did that instead, and um, and we would always yeah. uh, make decorations for the house. I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, construction paper rings and Mm -hmm. we would decorate, make things to hang on our staircase. And we, we made a big deal of going to shop for a new ornament for the tree. And we also commemorated uh, family members and pets on the tree. And at one point I looked up and said, this tree is full of dead people and dead cats. (laughs) But they were important to us. Right. Yeah. Got, I, every year we got them out and talked about, it, and this is grandma's ornament. Remember? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It was a way to keep them with
0: us. Yeah. That's, that's how we decorate our tree, too. We have it full of ornaments from like vacations we've taken or yeah. uh, uh, people in our family that means something, some kind of an accomplishment that year. Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes, I, I always say it's like a, It's like a a Christmas tree scrapbook of your, of your family, of your life. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's a great way to look at it. Yes. That's it. It's all, all the meaningful things to you are gathered there and you get Mm -hmm. to remember them every year.
0: Yeah. And I love that you stretch Christmas out, you know, like doing Advent and then the 12 days of Christmas. Yeah. I, I quickly noticed how, how busy we get and then it's like Christmas is there and gone.
1: Right.
0: It's, wow, that was that was fast. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the radio station even, you know, switches back to normal music, you know, midnight on Christmas Day. It's like, wait, mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still celebrating over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. My sister in law, she and her family lived in Spain for a couple of years. Uh her husband was in the military and they had uh what what they call Three Kings Day, which I had never heard of oh. before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that is that is the 6th, isn't it,
0: of January? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it's like at the end of the 12 days, they have Three mm-hmm. Kings Day. And, and at least where they were, that was like the big day of celebration. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Christmas was, I, I guess some of, uh, it, it's maybe starting to shift a little bit, but, you know, Christmas wasn't necessarily the, the big day itself. It was the lead up to right. uh, Three Kings Day. And that was like the end of the Christmas season, uh and so i was really interested in hearing about uh traditions and what they would do um there and uh they had a neighbor who uh, hand carved them uh i i think it was if i remember right now it was like a nativity scene he he hand carved them this nativity scene and it was something that was really really special to them i can see that yes that would be it it's you know, well obviously I run a Christmas podcast year round, so I'm all in favor of <laughs> you know <laughs> stretch, stretching out the joy. But
1: twelve months of Christmas
0: here. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to be fair, I don't uh I, I'm in kind of the period now where I'm not listening to Christmas music at the moment, but I'm not offended if I hear if I hear one. <laughs> right. <laughs> I really kick off the Christmas music. Uh it's usually about a hundred days out from Christmas. I'll start adding it into the into my music mix and mm-hmm. kind of slowly ease my way into it and then kind of slowly ease my way out of it again. That makes sense. Do you have any favorite Christmas movies or, or books uh, that you like to, to enjoy every year?
1: I don't remember any movies offhand. I, I do remember watching the Star Wars Christmas special oh wow <laughs> what is this <laughs> and and it was a meaningful moment when years later i showed it to my son and he saw- is, yeah <laughs> and, you, you uh, might be one of the few people willing so, to admit that
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I, yeah, the first time it was like star wars of course i'm gonna watch it oh my yeah <laughs> and <laughs> And then when my son got very interested in Star Wars, I said, you have to know Mm. the dark side. That's hilarious. uh, Yeah. Yes. I would say uh, my favorite book is Terry Pratchett's Mm -hmm. Hogfather. Great book. In fact, that is one of my Christmas traditions is I get it out every year to read it. Oh, fun. And uh, where, where he delicately skewers every Christmas tradition there is.
0: Well, that's yep. That's his. Uh, that's his thing, anyways. <laughs> take, yes. take taking anything yes. uh, special, sacred, holy, whatever you call it, and and then just kind of skewers it. And
1: oddly enough, he doesn't skewer the religious part of it. At least not to me. Right, right. In fact, right. I think he writes religious characters or, or spiritual characters he's one of the best there Mm -hmm. is, which surprises me knowing his total lack of. (laughs) Yeah.
0: He was, (laughs) he was an atheist, I think, but
1: yes, he was, but he, uh, some of his spiritual characters are incredibly in tune with, with the the divine. Mm -hmm. And they say he leaves, he leaves the nativity and so forth out of the hog father, but, um, but every other Christmas tradition he,
0: Takes firmly by the neck and strangles it till dead. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's that's you know, I I feel comfortable enough I don't mind people making fun of uh you, you know m- my religious views or anything. You, you know, but what I appreciate about him is that often the things he makes fun of uh he, he's often right, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just to show the absurdity of of that thing and Exactly. That takes real talent.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: It really does,
1: and, and at the same time, he has a. While he's making fun of everything, most of the time it's a very gentle way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, l- when he makes fun of his witch character, his new age witch character, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and all her special occult jo- jewelry, none of which works. Yeah, he's not beating her up he 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 laughs along with her, and she gets to be the heroine several times, you know, believing in all her occult and new age stuff, and the older witches kind of make it clear to each other that that's a bunch of hooey. Mm-hmm. but that's what's in- inspires uh, the young witch to to be the heroine she is so mm-hmm. so I appreciate that i I, I don't. I hope I'm doing this too. I don't ever want to be mean to someone. I mean, people are just funny in general, Uh, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be mean. And and I don't, I don't think my characters are being mean to each other, even when they're laughing at each other.
0: Right. Right. Well, you got to be able to laugh at yourself.
1: Yes. (laughs) Otherwise, what is life for?
0: Right. Right. You gotta, you gotta have fun on the journey. (laughs) Yes. Now, how about uh, any favorite Christmas songs? Uh, I know you've mentioned a few that you tend to skew more classical.
1: Yes, uh, certainly I love those. I mean, otherwise, (laughs) how did I endure all those years as a classical musician? Mm -hmm. Um, I think my friends would say that uh, the Therapy Sisters' Codependent Christmas must be one of my favorites because I give it to everybody I know. Hmm. Uh, the Therapy Sisters are a local Austin group, and um, I think they do for Christmas what, uh, in song, what uh, Terry Pratchett does for the for Christmas in in the book, mm-hmm. The Hogfather. But yes, there's a uh, it's songs about all the Christmas traditions from a skewed point of view. Well,
0: I I need to look. I need to look them up. That sounds <laughs> that sounds fun.
1: I think you would like. Them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I do have favorite Christmas carols. Uh, one of them is mm-hmm. "O oh, Holy Night" and "Joy to the World." "O oh, Sanctissima," and again, you see, I'm skewing classical. Mm-hmm. Um, "Silver Bells," I did like. That's a that's a mm-hmm. fairly modern one.
0: <laughs> now, have you heard? Um, you you probably have. Uh, it's a Christmas carol called "In the Bleak Midwinter." Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I, that's I, that's one of my favorites, probably my all-time favorite.
1: That is that is a lovely one.
0: But yeah, um, I'm surprised I, I keep finding people that have never heard it before, and I'm like, really?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's on 24 <24/7 laughs> seven around here, yeah.
1: <laughs> right, I I love a lot of the old English carols. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um,
1: uh, I w- I've been looking for this quote by Amanda Palmer, Palmer, um, and I can't find it. Maybe she'll say it again next year. Um, but it had something to do with, can we just admit Christmas is the best and most horrible time of year uh, that that emotionally it has the highs and the lows, And this was like, I think, our first year of divorce, So trying to have wonderful things while while your heart is breaking and going, well, that's pretty much yeah, the the way it always is is that you're you're at the extremes of your emotional. Mm-hmm. Makeup and and uh, I, I think a lot of the English carols uh, deal with that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, when you think of Luli Lay, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's an awful thing, <laughs> but it but it's part of the Christmas story it, it, the, the, the murder of the innocents. So, while uh, we rejoice, yeah,
0: yeah, I had known that song for ages and. You know, grew up listening to that song on an re- old record my dad had, mm-hmm. and then I was at a Christmas um, chorale concert uh, a few years ago, and the the chorale director talked a little bit about the song and what it was representing, and and I'm sitting there thinking, "Are you kidding? I've I've heard this song my whole <laughs> life." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's really depressing. <laughs> that's
1: really depressing. Yeah. Yeah, but it, uh-huh.
0: yeah, but it's like you said, part of the the story,
1: right. Yeah, and I don't think we get to leave out the parts we don't like.
0: Right, right. Yeah.
1: I don't know how to make peace with it either, but it's <laughs> like, it's there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. One of my favorite <laughs> other favorite things about Christmas is, is the food. Desserts, the meals, things like that. Do yeah. you have any favorite uh, Christmas foods or, or desserts that you like?
1: Well, I get real traditional about Christmas. I get real Southern too. Okay. I uh, <laughs> from from the deep south. Um, the Christmas tradition for years has been uh, roast turkey uh, with cornbread dressing, and mm. I make my own cranberry sauce. Except that my child prefers the kind <laughs> out of the can because tradition. <laughs> okay here's you can and now i'm making the rest of it but um i i I grew up seeing my mother make christmas dinner all by herself and it didn't occur to me recently you know i've always felt so bad for her that here you know we're Uh partying and so forth and she's in there cooking and and she would always chase me out and it occurred to me Mm -hmm. in recent years maybe that was her alone time but I felt so badly for her spending Christmas alone with with the pots and pans and that I said, well, that's just not going to be the way it is in my house. And when my son was one year old, he was mm-hmm. crumbling cornbread into a bowl. That's how you make cornbread dressing. And by the time mm-hmm. he was a teenager, he could make the whole meal himself. And when he would go to his dad's house, he he would prepare christmas dinner for him i was always afraid he uh, that uh airport security was not going to understand yeah. that he was carrying spices <laughs> <You're> right yeah <laughs> I'm going, this is gonna get scary it's <laughs>
0: oregano i swear
1: <laughs> it, it yeah. is it's time smell it
0: <laughs> oh man yeah. i mean it really
1: was time. <laughs> oh fun oh but yes, so yeah. very traditional in that way. Uh, well, and as he's grown up, and you know, friends have come and gone through his life. I will always ask them, and what's special for Chris- Christmas for you, and and so mm-hmm. other things have come in. I uh, tamales. I broke down on. I said, no, I I I can't. It would not be good. I will buy you some tamales. <laughs> so, but. <laughs> But yes, we're all diverse, and sure, we respect yeah. each other's traditions. Yeah. But oh yeah, that <laughs> doesn't say I can make it. <laughs> exactly.
0: You know, that's it's kind of we kind of joke, but that's why we get um, the cranberry sauce in the can, it's because I I like it. It's mm-hmm. it's what is traditional to me. As bizarre as that sounds, you know, it just kind of yes plops out in that jello mold of the can and <laughs> but I'm like that's
1: Well, you know, our grandmothers, that was probably the only thing they didn't have to labor over for three hours. If not all. Yeah, just plop in the, dish, in the dish.
0: Well, my my grandma would get up real early on Christmas morning and start working on the food and we'd have a big breakfast and a big, you know, afternoon dinner kind of thing and she was just in there mm-hmm. so much and You know, if that's the one thing she wanted to make out of a can, I'm not going (laughs) to knock it. Yeah, Yeah.
1: There's some trick to it, and I don't
0: know what it is. So, yeah, we we would involve our kids uh, as much as we could. And my wife's family liked this thing called Watergate salad, which it's like a Mm -hmm. pistachio pudding monstrosity. I don't know. Um, I, I had never heard of it. And after I saw it, I never wanted to see it again, but <laughs>
1: like, what is there are those traditions. What yes. is that? It's,
0: it has like pineapple in it and things. I don't know, but,
1: Oh, but, that, that, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, oh. but you know, that was, that was a big oh. thing for her growing up. So we, we still have it and she would get the kids, you know, that would be their special job is to help her make it. And they'd put the marshmallows on top and everything, and uh, a lot of fun memories around it. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I've, I don't really enjoy eating it. Oh, yeah, eat it, but yes, yes. Um, and and it's kind of come become tradition that I I make fun of it. So, but I I think honestly I would okay. be really sad if one year we just didn't do it because even though I don't eat it or anything, it's mm-hmm. like well this is every something you all enjoy and um <laughs> and don't don't stop making um, it just yeah. for my sake.
1: <laughs> You might have to have the, I don't know, the Memorial Watergate salad. Just make some and put it there on you the go. table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, this has been a wonderful conversation uh, about Christmas and about your books.
1: I've certainly enjoyed this.
0: Yeah. And again, your website is uh, diamond.me?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. And we'll send people that way and they can find your books there. And um...
1: Yes. Uh, my books should be in every, uh, wherever you buy books.
0: Okay. Uh, and all your uh, finer bookstores. And <laughs> yeah. Best of luck to you in the future. And we're looking forward to reading more of your books. And uh, if I don't see you a- again before Christmas, I hope you have a Merry Christmas.
1: And Merry Christmas to you. And Happy Hanukkah and <laughs> yes. anything else. And ha- Happy New Year, if, if all else fails.
0: Well, I, you know, I like the Happy Holidays. It really covers a lot of them. So. <laughs>
1: it does there gosh someone said there's 40 holidays in the month of december oh wow
0: wow that
1: that we can find i'm sure there's more oh sure yeah yeah.
0: well whatever you celebrate we hope you enjoy it
1: (laughs) yes definitely yeah have a lot of fun all
0: right well you you take care madeline
1: you too thanks so much for having
0: me all right and that'll do it for our episode today Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed our conversation and that some of these books we've mentioned will be added to your Christmas pile. I will uh, be back next Thursday, so you can keep an eye out for our latest episode then. I'll be reading chapter three of The Chimes. We'll find out what's happening next in Toby Vex's life and what message the Bells might have for him. So until next time, if uh, you would like to help support the show, again, one of the best things you can do is to share us on your social media tell a friend about us get them involved in the Christmas book club we'd love to have them along also uh, there are ways you can support the show in a financial way you can check out the show notes below for every donation you make on ko-fi.com I'll send you a Christmas card and a bookmark just be sure to send me your address and I'll get that in the mail to you and so until next time let me encourage you to be kind to each other and let us remember to honor Christmas in our heart and try to keep it all the year.
1: Have a very Merry Christmas.